Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, Derek? (laughs) Should I talk about my thermostat? Talk about your thermostat. That doesn't work. (laughs) It's a Google one, so it's spying on you. Well, everything spies on you. Your phone does. Don't even get me started on that. We almost (laughs) did not record a show this week because Derek and I got on rants just before we're trying to press the record button here. And we've we've spent the last 45 minutes ranting (laughs) from one subject to another subject to another to another to another before we finally had to say, dude, we (laughs) we got to record record this. We do have a, a decent retirement plan for me, though. Oh, it's I'm I'm in. I'm in. Because <laughs> we talked about traffic and all the mayhem, and it's like, I got to move up north. I got to find a nice quiet town to live in. And it's like, well, Huntsville's no good anymore because it's too busy. Too people. It's like, and then there's Whitney. And then Sean goes, well, yeah, you could build a condo. And that is a four-season resort. Yeah, 12-story, four-season resort condo <laughs> right in the <laughs> middle of town across from Foodland. <laughs> it's going to have... It's gonna have Paddle boats and skidoo place places for park skidoos in the wintertime, golf, zip lines. <laughs> well the lake is right there. Yeah. You yep. could do a little mini putt uh slide. hole golf. <laughs> yeah, do the old water slide into the lake. And then oh. everybody in town would hate you. <laughs> well, I mean it's a little tiny town, right? There's a gas station, there's a liquor there's store, there's a food store. Yeah. It's got it all. Yeah. Does it still have the wood guy? I saw that The wood guy's still there, yeah. He's there? Okay. Yeah, he raises prices five bucks for a wheelbarrow, which is fine. That's, that's fair. That still is dry wood. I don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. But I'm freezing my butt off at minus 35 Celsius. <laughs> I got dry wood to throw on that stove. I am good paying an extra five bucks. The cold and the warm, that reminds me. That brings me back to the original topic was my thermostat. So I bought one of those uh, smart learning thermostats, the Google Nest thing. Installed it last night and... Nothing I could do until I had to disconnect it. It would not let the furnace turn off. So I hooked it up and then I got to reading and took a nap on the couch and woke up and it's like, it's hot in here. And Stella's up in her bathroom. The floor is hot. And Siobhan goes, what's going on? The house is really hot. Got up to like 27, 28 degrees. The furnace would not turn off. Was that Celsius or? That was Celsius. Really? Yeah. I had to, uh, I had to pull the thermostat. And then I had to run downstairs and flick the switch for the furnace. And then I factory reset the thermostat. And uh, and it's like, what is wrong with this thing? It's, it worked okay last night. But uh, now it's, uh, when I left, like 3 o'clock at home, <laughs> set the temperature to like 21 degrees because it was like 18 degrees in the house. And uh, it's been struggling <laughs> since then. I can't I can't get it over 21 degrees. Right now it's set at 20, 22. And everybody's going, it's cold in here. <laughs> Oh my God! It's too hot. It's too, too cold. cold. What do you people want? It's Derek. Damn it! But the, <laughs> but the Stella's bathroom, Stella and Becca's bathroom, that we're near the vent for about three feet around that vent. The floor is actually too hot to stand on. Really? Yeah, it was that hot. I, I touched it with my hand. I touched it with my foot. It's like, what's going on? Are you heating it with flames? <laughs> I think like, so. <laughs> but it, it, this furnace had run for just over two hours straight, just running. Wow. Don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> it was hot in the house. And now the furnace is running and it's not getting hot at all. <laughs> you know what that means? 
<laughs> it means I hope you didn't throw out your old thermostat. I know. I'm going to have to reinstall it. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> At first, you don't succeed. Give it up. Just for just for <laughs> I left home to come here, I walked into the garage and it's like, oh, the garage is warmer than the house. <laughs> Let me just Google you, furnace guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what's going on? Anyways, oh, it's a struggle. Geez. Now you know what ours is. We got to change the battery in it every so often, and that's it. Yeah, we have a summer setting, we have a winter setting, and we have off. <laughs> that's all I need to know. I can turn it off. I keep it at one temperature during the winter, and I turn the air conditioning on at some point during the summer. Yeah, that is it. Three <laughs> settings. <laughs> so, but. Yeah. So the, there's there's it's on my phone. That's my thermostat at home right now. So the screen's red. That means it's running, and ah. it's set to twenty two. And when I left, I had set it at twenty two, and that was at I left early at seven or something. Anyway, so it's been running all this time. It still says in twenty five minutes it'll twenty two minute twenty five minutes it'll reach twenty two degrees. So it's still trying to get up to twenty two, and it doesn't feel like twenty two. It feels like it's about eighteen in the house. Yeah. Tell everybody to put a sweater on. Call it a 22. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> so this this whole tracking you thing is getting worse. Is it? <laughs> My daughter the other day said, if you're thinking about something for Christmas for mom, she just mentioned Lululemon. Okay. So I typed in Lululemon. Oh, you're getting that. Where the stores were. And not even three minutes later, mm-hmm. all my social media yeah. had Lululemon yeah. advertising. <clears throat> so, like, wow. So, there's, I found a setting in Google where you can change that. And uh, so I saw it. And I said, oh, I got to do that one day. And then I've never been able to find it again, how to do it. But it's in, it's deep inside Google settings. You can tell it to ignore you or something. There's a to setting. Buzz off? Yeah, you can tell it to buzz off. But I got, I got to find that setting again. But it's deep inside Google. You go to the Google, you know, the Google page, search yep. page, and you go to settings, and you sign into Google, and then you go into the settings, and it, you can tell it to not track or not do something. But uh, I, I lost... Why don't just do a whole show on ranting tonight? <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten right back into let's it. Talk right? about, let's, let's talk about drivers. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of swearing this evening, so... <laughs> <laughs> What's our uh, first topic? Canoe dog update. Oh, yes. Yes. So <clears throat> there are signs that you've got the perfect dog. <laughs> yes. So number one, we have two cats, my da- daughter named Helios and Apollo. So when I come across a dog with the name Athena, it's like, four oh. month old, fits right in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not only that, we go to the, to the, the vet yeah, for the first checkup? For the first checkup, just to make sure everything's good. And the office cat at, that wanders the vet for years now, Zeus. <laughs> Zeus, Athena, Apollo, and Helios. Yeah. So there's something going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a theme with yeah. animals in this year town, apparently. <laughs> and apparently one of the things that's common with pound puppies, or dogs from the pound, is giardia. Beaver fever. Beaver fever. And guess who has it? <laughs> Athena. Athena has beaver fever. Well, that's perfect. Your canoe dog comes preloaded. 
Right? <laughs> fever, fever. <laughs> no upgrade needed. <laughs> yes. Preloaded. Sorry, yeah. yeah. it's, it's already downloaded. Sorry, it's it's, good to go. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this is like the, all the stars aligned yeah. and said, this dog is yours. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny, though, is, too, is, uh, like, I don't know how many people, like, when I camp with Mike, his, uh, he brings his dog, Willow, and that dog will drink out of the dirtiest puddles on yeah. portages, and it doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to bother them. They just get, you know, a little bit of the runs and they're good to go. So it's like dogs are built to handle it. I, I had beaver fever once in my life back in June of 2019 and it was horrible. It was the <laughs> summer of 2019. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. So nope. yeah, so apparently dogs can handle it better than uh, Derek can. Yeah, well, she's on uh, some medication for her stomach and mm-hmm. yeah. Um. But if they had it tested, you probably wouldn't have known. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's why you take her for the first yeah, visit, yeah, yeah. just yeah, to say, hey, I want to make yeah. sure there's nothing, you know, if there yeah. is if there is a medical problem or something, then we can hop on it yeah. right away and get it dealt with. Uh, in all the years of having a dog, we've never really had a digger. Or a female dog. Oh, wait, no, you had a female dog years Oh, yeah, ago. yeah, we've had a female Long dog ago. before, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she's... She's a digger? She's a digger. <laughs> yeah, she's digging a under Tracy's lilac tree. Oh, no. And not only that, but she loves sticks. Yeah. So while she's digging, she just breaks off the bottom branches of oh, said lilac no. tree. Yeah. You're going to need some river rock and stone to put under the tree. Yeah, or big fence or electrical <laughs> fence. <laughs> uh, ears the size this dog A has on dishes. her head. Yeah. There is no way that she can't hear me. <laughs> She's got selective hearing. Uh, she does love being outside, so that's that's a good good thing. She had her first bath. Didn't mind it. Mm, there you go. Tried drinking the bath water. Oh, there you go. Mm. And then we got her out, started drying her off. She turned around and tried to get back in. <laughs> so that may be good a good sign for yeah. her. Lakes, water. And, yeah. Wow. Well, unless she's in the canoe and tries to jump out. Yeah, there you go. Then that's not so good, <laughs> but we'll work on that. So, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's getting her cats are starting to hang around her a bit more now. And she's starting to fit in with the family. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you post some pictures of them seem to get along better. The cats are reaching out, trying to, to get a little touch. Can yeah. I touch the puppy? Yeah. Whenever she walks by, they sit on the chairs that are at the kitchen table and stuff yep. like that and the tablecloth hangs down so you can't see the cat <laughs> and as uh, Athena walks by this paw comes out whack <laughs> does it to us as well yeah, yeah. you know they do, they do it to us as well but, uh, so now she's oh I guess she's here to stay whack <laughs> tack the tail slap in the butt you know so they stay away from the chompy bit on the front <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just stay away from the teeth for now she's teething she's oh. lost four teeth this week oh wow yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good times. Yeah. Is she chewing on the cats to get rid of the teeth? Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. So, <laughs> she, but yeah, she, between the branches outside, running nonstop outside, chasing the ball outside, she she would rather spend all day outside That's good. than in the house. That's a good sign right? for a decent canoe dog. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. I know how to pick them. <laughs> they just got to have a name that fits in with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> come preloaded with uh, beer fever. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, other than that, it's not too much going on here. 
Uh, let's talk about the Great Smoky Mountains National Park for a second. Okay. More than a second. The most visited National Park Service site in the country. The reason? Lush forests, crystal clear waters, and plenty of wildlife. So it's not surprising there's a female black bear who'd been busted for digging into garbage bins uh, a bit too yeah. often. And usually two, one of two things happen. They get relocated or euthanized. Yeah. She was relocated out of the park, but made her way back. Now, I've heard of this before, and I think we may have mentioned it. I know we had it, and it's funny because you sent me this, and we had a conversation here at uh, Sunday night dinner mm-hmm. last week. Okay. And we're talking, Mackenzie, all of a sudden, he's got something about bears. Hmm. He loves bears all of a sudden. Yeah. So like, well, dude, what's with bears? I don't, I don't know. Just, Okay. So we had this discussion about yeah. this and how, you know, they get relocated and they're putting them like a hundred miles away or kilometers away, 200 kilometers away, and they're finding their way back. Yes. This bear was a thousand miles away. A thousand kilometers, away, a thousand miles away, yeah. Fitted with a GPS collar, dropped off in South Cherokee National Forest in Georgia. Research no, Researchers numbered her 609 and watched to see where she would go. You know, once did she go to another campground or or whatever? Part of a study to see what relocated bears do. Wildlife experts knew some bears will try to return to their home territories, but they didn't expect a multi-state journey to get back. Mm-hmm. Six oh nine made her way from Georgia through South Carolina, North Carolina, back into Tennessee, where her favorite campground is. Uh, this is definitely one of the most bizarre movements I've seen so far. Bill Stiver, uh, one of the wildlife biologists who tracks 609 said, she never slowed down. She just kept on going. Prior to 609, the furthest any collared relocated bear traveled was about 200 miles. Uh, data, data gathered from 609 will help officials decide in the future how best to handle trash digging bears. The Great Smoky Mountains National Park reminds people the best way to ensure bears don't need to be relocated or euthanized is to keep a clean campsite and to properly secure your trash. Thousand miles. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And I, I, I did a lot of, uh, I did a bit of, I did a bit of research. I Google. I went to Google, and uh, it, it's. Uh, I couldn't find anything that was definitive on what helps a bear navigate such great distances. Mm-hmm. You hear about dogs and cats doing it. You hear about bears doing it. Like there's there's something about the magnetic, uh, you know, follow the magnetic lines, uh, like for geese and monarch butterflies and for stuff migrations. like that. For migrations. Yeah. And, and what amazed me is like when you look into it, it's like these animals can go great distances and they seem to find the same areas like like salmon, when they're spawned in a stream, they go out to the ocean and they come all the way back to that stream. We'll go up back to the headwaters to lay their eggs for their babies to, you know, they, so the, the DNA is always from the same streams type thing, right? So it always amazes me, but nobody knows what, how animals do this. There's a lot of, you guess, there's supposition. Well, and, well, for monarch butterflies. So they travel all the way from Canada to Mexico and Mexico to Canada. But it's five generations Mm -hmm. that do that. It's not the same butterfly. The butterfly will move a couple hundred kilometers, then have a baby and, or, you know, lay eggs and then, you know, know, the pupa and become another butterfly, monarch butterfly. And then, so it's five generations that would do the full trip 
between Mexico to Canada back to Mexico again. So if for the you're not just talking one individual that follows some sort of hidden roadmap, but it's also the fact that it goes over several generations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just I find it amazing that that animals can and can somehow do that. Like they say that bears can always find their way back to a favorite patch of berries or can find their uh, favorite feeding area, feeding ground or garbage can or whatever. And because of smell, but 609 to go a thousand kilometers where the somewhere sniffer. and she, well, but she, she's never been to that area before. Yeah. She was born in, in the original with yellow. What was the park? She was Great born Smoky in? Mountains. Great Smoky Mountains. Yeah. So she was born in Great Smoky Mountains. They moved her a thousand kilometers away. She found her way back, but she found her way through unfamiliar territory with no un- with no familiar smells. So something was helping her guide her way, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool when they do that. But I mean, when you talk about polar bears and stuff, they cover huge distances. Oh, massive. Too, right? Yeah. Which is like, so you, you wonder what exactly it is mm-hmm. in there that's yeah triggering. And another thing I would... I think before we close out this topic is one of the things that they're, when they do a translocation or relocation of a bear, it's, it's a desperate attempt to save the bear's life Mm -hmm. because, and they know it's desperate because bears find their way back often enough, never before at this distance. But so that's why they went so far. It's like, no, we gotta gotta save this bear's life and we're going to put her, you know, a couple States over and we'll find her a new area and maybe she'll settle in and start eating normal food instead of raiding garbage cans. Right. And now she can find her way back. And so it's unfortunate that, uh, that humans keep such messy campsites that we train bears and raccoons and squirrels and whatever. It's like, you know, humans create a source of food. And, and so often, more often than not with bears, is the bears get euthanized because of our, of humans' bad habits. Yeah, and, if they become a nuisance yeah. bear and the relocation doesn't work a couple of times. Yeah. And people have been charged for, like there was a woman, I think, out in BC. She uh, was charged for... Uh, animal luring so she would put food out for the bears and so the bears a lot of bears ended up coming to her property she was charged yada 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 and there's more to that story but it's just like why are you doing this like mm-hmm. is it for what what personal I don't mind reward? putting out seed and stuff for birds and squirrels but birds and squirrels are thing, different bigger things start arriving yeah you start to go wait a minute yeah if you have raccoons yeah. start moving to your attic because you feed them it's like well, what are you doing or or if you're na- if i'm your na- you feed the raccoons and i'm the neighbor and i'm suddenly i have raccoons got three of them living in your in attic. attic it's like wait a sec here yeah. you know my house is being damaged because you want to feed the raccoons yeah well you we definitely got to keep the clean campsites at campgrounds and yeah. in the backcountry. And and the key part of that is you may be there once, but that you are training animals that live there. And so it's every camper that comes behind you that is now suffering the consequences of your bad actions. Yeah. They got to stop it. Yeah. Keep a- it clean Animals sight. need to learn to feed themselves, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you have, you know, uh, rogue bears who want to... Like you hear about in British Columbia all the time, like there's uh, cottages and cabins, remote ones that are constantly broken into by bears because bears know that cabins are now a source of food because people are messy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they rip off doors and windows and and suddenly it's a problem bear. And how long till that bear decides, oh, well, there's a person. Yeah. Let's go after the person. Yeah. Happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that you sent, apparently you're on a bear kick this week as well. <laughs> Just the bear necessities. Yeah. 
the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. We were thinking to have that music play in the background quietly, see if anybody heard it. (laughs) (laughs) The Jungle Book, baby. Yes. (laughs) Despite what their name may insinuate, American black bears can wear a range of colored coats, brown, blonde, gray, white, and even cinnamon. So I'd always wondered about this. Like, why is a why are black bears, brown bears, black bears, grizzly are different. They're all about the same color. But uh, black bears and brown bears, they, they there's more and more color changes, and apparently it's it's a DNA genetic trait. Nine thousand years this has been in the works. So I'm curious where they found the nine thousand year old bears that uh, they could test DNA. They pulled it out of their. <laughs> <laughs> There's some science that goes into this. For the last 9,000 years, the color of some American black bears has slowly started changing to a red hue. The genetic and evolutionary factors causing this have been mostly unknown until now. In a study published in the Journal of Current Biology, researchers from the United States and Canada say they have identified a genetic mutation similar to the one that causes albinism in humans. That is likely causing American blackburns to tur- black bears to turn red or cinnamon colored. By sampling the DNA of 151 American black bears across the United States and Canada, the researchers identified a mutation known as R153C in a gene called tyrosinase-related protein 1. TERP1. TERP1. <laughs> that appears to have been a driving change in fur color for some bears. According to the study, it was 9,360 they, years ago. How do you nail that number so Give or take a day or two, you know. <laughs> 9,360 years, 18 weeks, 4 days, 3 hours, 20 minutes, and 18 seconds. When the cinnamon variant arose, which provides an adaptive advantage by helping bears to thermoregulate in hotter and drier climates, or to camouflage as brown bears uh, where the two species are located in the same geographic area. Hmm. So it makes kind of sense. If you think about the last ice age was 12,000 years ago, and so 3,000 years after that, about 9,360 years. uh, Give or take. (laughs) Give or take. A couple of days. So things are warming up. The glaciers are gone. There's a lot more open areas, a lot more sun, a lot more heat. And so bears are going to naturally, genetically develop to protect themselves from the Mm -hmm. heat of the sun. While the variant is similar to that of oculocutaneous, big word, albinism, (laughs) type 3, which is a variant known to cause lighter colored hair and skin in humans, and in some cases poor eyesight, the bears in the study did not show any signs of vision issues. So apparently it's just purely a, mm-hmm. a fur color issue. Researchers found that the black bears living in western regions like Nevada, Arizona, and Idaho were more likely to be sporting this red-colored coat than black, than black, while there is a low number of red American black bears in the east of North America. So this is totally a hot side of the yeah, country yeah. Uh, thing. And questions of whether thermoregulation, a mechanism that helps mammals regulate their body temperatures, was a factor in the development of this color-changing gene, were examined. They also looked at whether the change had to do with competition with other cinnamon-colored bears, such as grizzly bears. 
While the researchers tested for both these factors, neither were strongly supported as drivers of the change. So they know it started. They yeah. just they just don't know, and they know what causes it. Yeah, they just don't know why mm-hmm. the the change started. Yeah, it's interesting though. It's nine thousand uh, three hundred so, and sixty years. I've, I've asked this. I haven't openly asked it, but I've often wondered. It's like, huh? Black bears, brown bears. Why, why is there? Why is there so many? Like it's a typically the same kind of bear, but it's got different colors. It's mm-hmm. like black squirrels and gray squirrels and the white. Bear, the sun bear. Yes. There was a long time that it was considered it's just a white black bear. Yeah. They actually did a study of the DNA and everything and found out it's a total different species. It's not a black bear. Really? Yeah. There's a, there was a whole, but like nature of things or whatever. So do they have white babies and. Yeah, apparently. So there's a whole bunch of white bears running around in the mountains of British Columbia and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Alaska yeah. yeah. And, the sun bear. Huh. Yeah. I didn't think there was enough of them to have a whole different species. Apparently, they're, they found there was they were not black bears. Hmm. So, so yeah. So, you know, like almost 10, well, over 9,000 years ago. <laughs> that's not, yeah, 9,300 isn't quite 10,000. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over 9,000 9, years ago, yeah. this gene all of a sudden Split mutated. Off, yeah. And yeah. Now, we're reaping the benefits. Hmm. Interesting, eh? Mm-hmm. I actually wonder where we're going to be in about a million years. Oh, I'll probably be dead by that point. <laughs> you know why? Because I'll want to be at that point. <laughs> yes. I don't want to be a million years old. I just want to be. I don't want to be a million years old anymore. I got things to do. I'm tired of this. Drinking my slushy shake every morning because I can't chew anymore. I'm so old. I can't move. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> How to save Mexico's rivers. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I saw this article talking about this. A couple of years back, I was thinking, if we go to Mexico for a trip, I'm not one to go and sit on a beach. That bores the bejeebers out of me. <laughs> okay. I cannot go. Because let's go down to Mexico, your <laughs> wife and me, my wife and your wife, my wife, me, you. We'll all go down and leave the kids at home. Or nah, 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 nah. We'll go down to Mexico. We'll sit on the beach, drink some margarita. Yeah. No. Have you ever been? Mexico? Yeah. Oh, I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't sit. I didn't. Yeah. I, I was on the go all the time. We, I, I've been down once. The drinking was pretty good too. <laughs> yes. oh, wow. It was more than pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I've only been once. It was a honeymoon and uh, I've never been back since. It's just, I prefer Got to go camping. Up. Yeah, <laughs> don't you come back again? <laughs> no, we had a blast down there. We did, we did so many things and saw so much, but like none of it involved prolonged exposure to the beach. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that's yeah. just not me. I can't just sit there and hey, what are you doing? Uh, sitting at a beach, <laughs> doing what? <laughs> Sitting at a beach. Getting <laughs> some <Burnt>. sun rays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't do that. I gotta I gotta be on the go and see thing. So when we're talking about doing stuff, I'm I'm like, well, if you want to sit on the beach, then maybe I'll I'll see if there's maybe somewhere I can do like a canoe trip or something for a, a few nights. Yeah. And I researched and researched and researched, and there's pretty much Nothing. Yeah. Oh, you can rent a kayak and go out from your resort. 
and then come back and lay on the beach. <laughs> it's like, no. You know, I, I wanted to go interior. Yeah. I wanted to go into Mexico some point and like paddle some rivers. And I want to find some, some animals that can kill yeah. me. Yeah. Well, you're thinking Australia. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, go in and see this. But I could not find anything. Huh. There was a, so now, um, there's, there's this article that comes out. It says nonprofit organizations have long known that one of the best ways to get people to care about a cause is to make it real for them. Rocky Contos, director of the nonprofit organization Sierra Rios, has found a way to make his cause of preserving the world's rivers very real to people. He offers them rafting trips down big Grand Canyon-type rivers in need of conservation in places like Canada, South America, China, Africa, and Mexico. He founded Sierra Rios with the purpose of preserving some of the world's most beautiful rivers by introducing them to the public, and many of them are in Mexico. Ha-ha! That's what I figure. Well, I know there's a lot of whitewater... There's a lot of capability to do whitewater kayaking in Mexico. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anybody doing canoeing. Canoe trips or, or raft. Because there's, there's a lot of whitewater. A lot of the whitewater stuff that was done by the, the Red Bull guys and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. You don't hear of, you know, I, I have no buddies that said, yeah, we're going to Mexico to run a river for I, I worked with a, a girl, she days. did that. She'd go, yeah. like, she'd go pretty much every year, find a river in Mexico to run it. And she'd just go solo. She'd go find really? uh, an outfitter and she says, I want to do this trip. And she'd run to join a group. Yeah. Huh. Uh, a lot of these rivers go through beautiful canyons. They are still clean. Some of them are very reputable, and they make for great trips. But unfortunately, many now have dams planned for them because oh. nobody goes to these rivers. There is little awareness. Yeah. But they're not publicized. Mm-hmm. So unless you get down there or something yeah. and, and find out from somebody in the know. Mm-hmm. Like, like I say, I was all over Google, and I couldn't find very much at all. Uh, he says, one of my goals is to bring more people to these rivers to see what they're like. And hopefully that will help in the movement of conserving them. Yeah. If people don't even know that river exists, like then yeah. you won't have any public pushback against damming up river and put in a hydroelectric project. The San Pedro is one of the most incredible rivers in Mexico. It's wild and beautiful and very long. About seven years ago, they were moving forward with a dam plan. But there were a lot of protests from the local communities who lived in the area, so they put the project on hold. It's still on hold, he says, but sooner or later the Federal Electricity Commission plans to build it, and it would be devastating. So that's why he says, well, we get people going down the river. More people interested. That get into it, it becomes, you know, a popular river for If it becomes an international tourist destination, tourism dollars start rolling in. A lot of people go, oh, well, now we have to save it. Dam project dies, right? Yeah, That's the that, plan. That dam project. Besides offering guided trips down many of the world's most enthralling rivers, Sierra Rios raises money to fund river preservation efforts, maps and documents, Latin American rivers for outdoor enthusiasts, promotes sustainable river ecotourism development through a program that trains local river guides and aids river protection activism efforts. So this is a big, big thing they're doing. Contos was previously known in the outdoor sporting world for having made pioneering kayak descents of numerous Mexican rivers. 
He says, I started paddling in 1990 when I was at the University of California. At that time, there was a lot of exploration going on. New rivers being opened up by new technology and kayak development. And I could see that the new frontier for white water was going to be the rivers in Mexico. Other paddlers had explored the area and run some of the rivers, but they had done it in the winter time, which is the dry season oh, in Mexico. Yes, yes. When I went there, basically none of the rivers that drained in the Pacific had been run or paddled. Huh. I went down pretty much with every one of them. Uh, I was there for three full summers, starting in the year 2000, whenever I could get time off from my studies working towards a PhD in neuroscience. I asked Contos which trip he would recommend for most ordinary folks, and he says, I think by far the best first river for anyone to do is the Yusamencinta, which is the biggest and most voluminous, voluminous, Voluminous. I can I always have problems. Uh, that that's a bad word. Voluminous river in all <clears throat> Mexico and Central America. It runs along the border of Guatemala. You're on the water for six days. You get the experience of camping. You get to run some rapids, but nothing too difficult or scary. Perfect. You get a marvelous experience because you're floating through the rainforest and the jungle is just incredible. Hmm. And see, this is what I'm picturing, right? Do a yeah. little bit of rapids. There's nothing too bad. You're floating through rainforest. You're getting that jungle feel, Central America, Mexico, that sort of deal. The rainforest corridor has the highest concentration of howler monkeys in the world, for example. And these were the sacred monkeys to the Maya. We also stop and camp at two Mayan sites. See, and this the other thing is anything yeah. that I was finding is day trip things. Yeah, yeah. We'll drive you up, you paddle out, you end up back at your yeah, resort or a yeah. town or something. Well, yeah, no, but, I want to camp for yeah. a couple of days, right? Uh, so, yeah, they, they camp at, a, at two Mayan sites on the Guatemalan side. So the trip has a lot of cool things about it. The howler monkeys and the spider monkeys are really special. And you're guaranteed to see a lot of those on their trips. You'll also see scarlet macaws and you may spot a crocodile in the water sometimes. Of course... There are jaguars here. Uh, we may see their tracks in the sand and their markings on the trees, but we've never actually seen the jaguars. <laughs> if we have a lot of people into birding, we'll also, we, we have a bird guide along to tell us about them, which is pretty cool because yeah. you, you hate being somewhere going, ooh, wonder what that bird is. Ooh, well, it's also bird. like that bird. Exactly. So we're here, we're used to saying, oh, look, blue jay or yeah. cormorant or you know, there's a Canada goose and there's a chickadee. But down there is like some amazing well, like birds. Like it's a three-toed bongo bird or something. <laughs> which, <laughs> <Macaw>. Yeah. <laughs> Contos has organized uh, this river trip 56 times and personally led it 17 oh. times. 56 times. Says I never get bored, he says, because of the monkeys and Mayan ruins. That would be amazing. I'd That's, like to see the ruins. That yeah, that'd be cool. Camping there, mm-hmm. right? It's an incredible place to go, and we take extra security precautions because it's a border zone. But I know people around there and everything that goes on, and we've never had a problem. Hmm. Because some of the Mexican rivers where he leads trips through run run through states notorious for criminal activity. Oh question is, has he ever run into drug traffickers in any of the remote places he's paddled into? Drug traffickers are down there, all right, he says, but they don't tend to bother tourists on rivers. 
I've met a lot of them when I paddled rivers, especially in the Sierra Madre Occidental. When they went, uh, they want they want to know who you are and what you're up to. But when they realize you're there as a tourist paddling the river, they tend to be nice. In fact, sometimes very nice. We went down one river last year where the, uh, the Sinaloa. Sinaloa cartel guys <laughs> actually gave us beers and food no. and try to help us out. Wow! If you're not there for anything nefarious, nefarious yeah, or contrary to them, yeah, yeah, you know, you're just a bunch of goobers scooting down the river. Uh, to know more about the Sierra Rios, various rafting trips in Mexico and around the world, and how to support their efforts in documenting them, go to sierrarios.org. Hmm. S-I-E-R-R-A-R-I-O-S dot O-R-G. They got, a, they got some stuff there. It's, it's not a top-of-the-line website, but it lists where they're going. There's yeah. different information and stuff. That's amazing. But that's what I'm looking for. That would be amazing. So while everybody's back at it the resort. It ticks off so many boxes, Doesn't right? it? So how was your day on day day three? Well, we woke up at the Mayan ruins and got <laughs> mugged by monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> saw a giant snake. Giant snake. There's a crocodile. <laughs> yeah, there's panther footprints yeah. outside my tent. Yeah. Derek, uh, <laughs> Derek disappeared in the middle of the night. We found his foot still in his shoe and there's big jaguar pat, uh, tracks yeah. uh, we we think that might have some connection uh, and then we saw macaws and that was pretty cool <laughs> but if he's done it 56 times he's planned the trip he's mm-hmm. personally led it 70 times he's done multiple trips it's like it sounds like it's uh it sounds like that specific river would be a, a good ticky box on your list well, of and that's exactly do. it so that's yeah. my huh yeah if i'm ever going to go to mexico then Oh, yeah. I think those are the guys to check that out. Yeah, like you say, just so many. And and I think the, the big part would be just getting down there, right? Yeah. What do you got? What do I got to bring? Exactly. So they're, I imagine they're going to supply a lot of the stuff. Because I would think you're so. Not, I, you might pack your own life jacket because you have a special life jacket you like for whitewater kayaking, but you're, they're, they're going to supply like... The, the boats and the paddles and the yeah food the food and, and the, that, yeah. the, the the cook gear and the camp gear and all that stuff yeah and then everybody's going to redistribute it throughout the kayaks I imagine they might have some sort of support structure I'm fascinated by this now I've never thought of doing something like this like uh, Sue from work she used to do this all the time she's gone multiple times down to Mexico she's got kids now and stuff like that so she doesn't do it anymore but uh, back in the day this was what she would do. Just you I could join a cartel. <laughs> well, didn't we? Didn't we? I don't. I don't know if it was one of the paddling film fest films or is it something else. But there is a discussion on the first run of some river back in the, the day. Amazon. No, it wasn't the Amazon. Hansen? It was. No, no, it was, it was, they came across cartel members and, and they were held for several days and then released. And anyways, it was. Oh, yeah. 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 We've, we've discussed, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we've talked about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Might have a book on it. (laughs) But that's the Amazon. Was it not the Amazon? Because I know. I thought it was Mexican cartels because yeah no there's, no no there's, no there's been some tribal interactions down the Amazon I've heard about lots of those because the tr- tribal leaders no and stuff, any any of the stuff I think we've talked about has been South America 
not central. Because the one that the story that I heard, they were uh, they were pulled off the river, and what are you guys doing here? This is our growing area, and yada yada yada. And they were, anyways. If mm. I come up with it, we'll do an update. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But Derek Specht, <laughs> member of this local cartel. cartel. Honorary member. <laughs> Honorary member, yeah. Do you get a backpack? Is there a secret handshake? <laughs> but no, just, just thinking of going through, considering what we, we go through up well, here, what we paddle through up here, yeah, so, and then down there. So yeah, so on a typical... Uh, on a typical canoe route through through Killarney or for Tomogamy or whatever, it's like, oh, there's a moose. Oh, there's a cormorant. Not the, not the cormorants are that special. But, but yeah, so I'm always amazed when I see an eagle. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine the wildlife that you'd interact with down there that you're not used to seeing? A troop like, of monkeys flying overhead I know. from tree to tree. Yeah, howler monkeys. I've yeah. never, I've heard video of them, audio of them howling and screeching. Well, have you never seen it at the Toronto Zoo? <laughs> No. They got a couple of them at the Do Toronto they? Zoo that just go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the spider monkeys and, yeah, seeing the flocks of, like, um, macaws and stuff yeah. like that. Like, that would be fun. That'd be, and that'd be cool. And then come across a Mayan ruin and walk amongst the Mayan ruins. Yeah, and, stuff. and camp there overnight. Oh, Ooh, the incredible. ghosts, buddy. <laughs> yeah. There's ghosts everywhere. Yeah. No, that, that just, yeah, just, just ticks off so many boxes. Huh. We should plan a trip. We got too many trips to plan. Not enough money to do it. I know, I know, I know. But what we do is we get I need a sugar daddy. (laughs) (laughs) We should plan a Paddling Adventures radio tour trip down to Mexico. I'm saying a world tour, dude. (laughs) If we can get enough money behind us, we'll do a world tour. I'm just taking the year off work. We need a sugar daddy. I'll arrange it. We need a sugar daddy. Anybody else? Because apparently the sugar mommies ain't working. (laughs) (laughs) Derek's going to take one for the team. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. I'm gonna look into the, look into that and see. Uh, and if you remember who that other person was, that yeah, you talked about that other story. I thought it was. I thought it was. We uh, talked about Central American stuff and South America mm-hmm. a number of times over the years. So, hmm. Um, I'll make a note. To Maybe it was a movie you watched. Well, I was thinking it was a movie from one of the uh, from one of the film festivals from film from yeah. a film fest. Yeah. Hmm. Write that down. Write that down. May take Derek a minute. <laughs> All right. I was trying to figure out how to put H in Mexico because I keep, I always Mexico. say. Mexico. 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 So Mexico. it's like, wait, how do you spell Mexico properly? I say it with wrong a, so with often. H. Yeah. <laughs> I say it wrong so often that uh, I couldn't spell it. <clears throat> All righty. Uh, let's just move uh, around the other side of the world for a few minutes. Have you ever heard about the pancake phenomenon? I have. Have you really? Over the years, I've seen pictures of it. I saw one. So... I'm not talking about your dinner plate, my friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> so this one was just recently, and it was a 25-foot in diameter ice float that was in a river, and it was spinning. Really? Yeah. 25 feet? Yeah, it was huge. While on the Tyne at Hexham, two paddle boarders who braved the freezing cold came across what looked like dozens of pancakes of ice packed together on the water. One of the paddle boarders posted on Facebook page, Chili paddle up the river Tyne this morning and spotted these unusual ice pancakes. Apparently they are something of a phenomenon. Uh, it is indeed a phenomenon in the UK and only forms an extreme cold. 
It is thought ice pancakes may be created as eddies in the river swirl around with foam before freezing into spinning plates of ice, often ranging in size from 20 centimeters to 200 centimeters, or 8 to 79 inches across. 25 feet, you say? Yeah. That wasn't an ice pancake. That was a nice pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a bit bigger, I must say. Ice pancakes are a relatively rare phenomenon that tend to occur in very cold oceans or lakes. They are most frequently seen in the Baltic Sea and around Antarctica, but also form relatively frequently in the Great Lakes of the United States and Canada. I don't think I've ever seen any. I've never seen any in person. No. I've heard stories. They require some rather specific conditions in order to form and can form in one of two distinct ways. In ocean season lakes, the disks are created and waves cause forming pieces of ice to knock against each other, rounding their edges as they freeze and grow. Small rims are created on the edges as the knocking causes splashing water to freeze and join the rim. I can see that. They are also believed to form when foam on a river begins to freeze, which begins to join together, and as they are sucked into an eddy, a swirling current of water, and form into a circular shape as a result. Uh, so it's sort of like when the dude spins yeah. a pizza. I found a 10-foot right? ice pancake. Wow. Yeah. Or is that just a pizza surrounded by small pancakes? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they're just spinning around, spinning around. It's, but, but it's like, yeah, when a guy makes a pizza... You know, how he spins it, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dough, yeah, and it yeah. turns into this giant circle. It's bigger and bigger. Other bits of frozen foam and ice hit the foaming, the forming disc, and they freeze to it and increase its size. While ice pancakes look like solid discs, they are all often quite slushy and easily break apart when lifted up. Which is a shame, because you know the first thing you're thinking of if you see one. Ice frisbee, <laughs> which is a whole new sport and a whole new topic. Yes. <laughs> Take somebody's head off. Yeah. How come that's not like an Olympic sport? Would oh. it be full contact? Only if you lose an eye. Death it's... ice frisbee. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll have to write that down too. <laughs> However, when given the conditions to consolidate, ice pancakes can end up binding with each other to form sheet ice and the rougher condition waves can move these sheets of ice, causing them to bond and crack to create ice ridges. Past couple of weeks, they've been seen in Scotland and England. There's a lot, all of a sudden, Scotland and England. Is I know, we've been, these, we've been seeing that more and all more. All these things, yeah. You start talking about it, some more and more stuff comes up on the... Uh, yeah. I've never actually seen an ice pancake. Except on the internet, but that'd be pretty cool to see. Because you know the first thing you're going to do is try to pick one up. <laughs> I don't care who you are. The perfectly round ice circle? Here's the one that spans an entire river. Wow. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That, that's... You're not picking that up. This is... It's uh, it's in Braemar in uh, England somewhere. Wow. These are that's, huge. That, those are pretty neat. Yeah. If you want, just Google ice pancakes. Oh, yeah. There's, and there's gazillion uh, I, photos. Yeah, I did ice pancakes, and, like, there's dozens of links of, to different news stories and YouTube videos and so on. I want to see some in real life. <laughs> I want to I wanna, I wanna stand on one and spin in circles. <laughs> <laughs> Steps on it, sinks 15 feet. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, well, that, that just takes that out of the equation. Uh, speaking of cold... 
Vancouver is. Island. You hear about these two students? In Vancouver. That is uh, very cool. Or very warm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Oak Bay on Vancouver Island, temperature-wise, yes. there's little difference between the water between December and August. Uh, it's always cold when you're. I can it. confirm that. I used to scuba dive out there off Vancouver Island, and didn't ma- it didn't matter if you went in summer or winter because the uh, water is always about three degrees. Yeah. Well, um, grade eight student Liam Pope Lau had an experience that led him to an idea. He says he was out sailing and capsized. I was in the water, and even in July, it was really cold. And this chilly dip led him to a deep dive on hypothermia. You know, what is hypothermia? What's the cause? Yeah. What, you know, what does it do to you? He says, I realized it kills almost, I think it was 8,000 people per year in the U.S. alone, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that's a statistic. That's, whether it's true or not, whether it's true or not, <laughs> it's, it's a statistic. <laughs> yeah. He teamed up with his friend Fraser Tuck, and the self-heating life jacket was born. These kids are grade eight. I know that's pretty. I was pretty doing cool. that in grade eight. <laughs> I think the only math and stuff I was doing in grade eight was physics, and that physics involved. <laughs> so if I tilt this bike ramp, another so many. <laughs> I can get if I put another couple bricks under it. What altitude can I get? How much farther can I? How much farther can I jump? That was the only math I was. <laughs> can I science jump, I was doing? Can I jump over five of my friends? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get an extra friend in there? Yeah. Hey, get your dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they made this life jacket. He says it's actually just a pouch to attach to a life jacket that's filled with a chemical that reacts with the water. The chemical is calcium chloride, the same stuff used to de-ice sidewalks and driveways in the winter. The pair started taking their adventures to or their invention to science fairs and eventually earning a $5,000 award from the BC Science Fair Foundation. And they're getting a lot of uh, recognition for this. People going, "Oh, hey, they this may is be, not a bad idea. They may be onto something here." And if you spread it on the sidewalks, it's not an expensive chemical. No, right? No. You just throw it there and it melts the snow, right? And the ice. Uh, the students say one pouch lasts about 30 to 40 minutes, which could warm a person in the water long enough for the rescuers to find them or to rescue them. The boys said they imagined cruise ships and ferries using their life jackets in the future, along with Coast Guard and search and rescue crews. As a product, Pope Lau and Tuck think their life jacket has potential. But the best return for their investment won't be financial. I just want it to actually save a life, Tuck says. Very cool. Right? So, yeah, like, grade eight. Mm -hmm. And I come up with this idea, like, hey. (laughs) And to get the recognition and and more people thinking, hmm. So they're getting a patent on it, apparently. They'll get the patent so that they're they're covered. Uh, Even if it doesn't go anywhere, if it makes some money. Mm Mm-hmm pays for their education. Yeah. Right? What more can you ask for? And they, they've already got, well, they've already got their 15 minutes of fame out of it, so. It'd actually be cool to see how this idea grows 
Like it would be interesting. So you can see where there's some potential. So it, it, the way they showed it on the video for on CTV news, it showed it as a, a pouch that sat in, in the smaller, your lower back. So it's basically keeping your core warm. Mm-hmm. Your arms, and your legs are still going to get cold. You're still going to lose some temperature, but this thing is pushing heat back into your core. And, uh, you can see where it, it so this chemical can sit in a pouch for years without being activated if it doesn't get wet it reacts and starts creating heat with water so you could have like uh, like a ferry or you know, or whatever like a tour boat or one of those duck boats or whatever and you just have these pouches attached to the inside of the life jacket and it's just ready to go it's doesn't have to be it just automatically keeps activates. you warm enough long yeah. enough for yeah. For help to get there. Because when you first started, uh, said this story to me, I was like, huh? What? You're going to, is like, what? Battery packs? You're going to have to keep your life jacket charged? It's like, no, it's a, it's a, little chemical it's pouch. A, an inert chemical pouch that sits there waiting to get wet. Yeah. It's, it, it's. And I mean, if this takes off and they start getting, you know, like people that know how to design stuff. Exactly. Might come up with that. Then a, maybe they do get ones that, like, like a vest, warm, like a, a vest, vest shaped right? thing that goes inside. Guys the that are out on, like fishermen that are out on boats, yeah. and yeah. you know, like the lobster fishermen and yeah. stuff like that. That you know, that's like, sort of yeah, ice fishermen, like ice fishermen. Like yeah. you know, you can see ice fishermen out there. It's like, oh, it's really cold. I better jump in the water to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> that interesting to see, but like I say, for grade eight, yeah, I wasn't thinking of anything like that. <laughs> You never know where inspiration is going to come yep. from, right? Yep. So, um, what else we got here? Do, 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 do. I've only got one other thing here. One of our listeners, Clint Sutherland, sent me this. He says, because uh, we get these little things. Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, you know, a lot of the times, yeah, we've seen it or whatever. And he sent me this one. And I hadn't seen it. And it looks pretty cool. So there's a gentleman named Grayson Certain. He goes by the the tag Greyhound Goods on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. He's been building a canoe made from recycled skateboards. Now, I it seems like I think he's an artist mm-hmm. because there's other stuff that he's built from recycled yep. skateboards and different art stuff in that. Uh, but he's made this this uh, canoe. He's not finished. He's been working on it a couple of years. Cause he, and he, he does explain in one quick little video clip that he's not had a ton of time to work on it lately. Yeah. So it's sort of on hold. But looks pretty cool. The colors from the skateboards uh, makes it look like someone's drawn lines with pencil crayons over the whole thing. Yeah, and that's the laminated layers of a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Multicolored laminated layers. If you go to you, his YouTube channel, again, it's uh, Greyhound Goods. If you go to his YouTube channel, you can watch as he lays the final strips on the bottom of the canoe. You can see, get an idea how he's doing it sort of thing. Yeah. If you go to his Instagram page, there's a series of clips of him building it. Uh, you know, when you go to the page, you got all the pictures down there, but there's always a couple of circles. Mm-hmm. And if you click the one that called uh, Canoe Build, uh, it opens up another window and it's got a ton of little clips starting from like 72 weeks ago or something like that. And all the way up to when he was finishing and stuff like that. It is pretty cool just hmm. seeing seeing that. Instagram one is, is the better one 
to uh, check out all the little clips. Uh, I have not seen any pics or video of the inside or the finished product That'd yet. Like see. I say, I don't think yeah. he's done it yet. Uh, but I think it's going to look pretty wild when it's done. When he's got that that gloss on and everything oh, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to look like hmm. really sweet. And we'll see what he does with the with the seats and the gunnels and and all that sort yeah. of stuff. That'll be pretty cool. Very interesting so, to uh, see the weight. The I weight. wouldn't want to know the weight. <laughs> you know, skateboards. That's pretty dense. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, go give it a look uh, again. Greyhound Goods, uh, Grayson Certain. If you check those out, you'll you'll find you'll find them pretty easy, and uh, give give it give that canoe a look because it's a sweet looking ride. Uh, Clint, thanks for sending that uh, to us, and uh, we'll definitely have to keep uh, our peepers out for the finished product. And I think that is all we've got this week. That's it. Want to rant for a while about stuff? <laughs> what do you want to rant about? <laughs> Pick a topic. Pick a what topic. Oh. Um, little shout out to our buddy Preston Sear. Oh, yes. Nancy yes. the Canoe Dog passed away. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, thinking about you there, Preston. Uh, that's Mike Ranta's dog now and Preston's dog. and That's, that's hard, man, when you lose family like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, that's all I've got. I've got nothing to add either. I got nothing. Wow. Wow. We're going to be sub one hour show this week. <laughs> Want to rant for five minutes? <laughs> I will. I will add. I will add that. So when we started this, my phone said that it was going to be twenty-five minutes to get up to twenty-two degrees. Now it's saying it's forty-five minutes to get up to twenty-two degrees. Isn't that going backwards? <laughs> it's losing time, losing ground. I, I, I hopefully I don't have to reinstall the old thermostat tonight. You've either got to reinstall the old one. Or you got to call a furnace guy. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, it, the furnace did run for two hours last night, over two hours. So maybe I broke the furnace. <laughs> uh, call the furnace yeah. guy, get that thing, or reinstall your old one before you have to buy a new furnace. <laughs> the um, reinstalling is probably a heck of a lot cheaper than a new furnace. Just throwing it out there for yeah, you, buddy. Yeah. Just throwing it out there for you. And... I will say as a end note to tonight's show, for the first time in two years, my beer fridge is empty. Yes, yes. There is no puppers in it. No. Nope. We just drank the last two. There's no nothing in it. It when, is empty. When's the last time I brought beer? It's been over a month since I brought beer, I think. Yeah, because I, I went and bought a whole bunch too. Yeah, yeah. So we were drinking that yeah. and then we dipped into these. Mm-hmm. So reminder to self, I need to pick up beer for the next uh, recording session. Yeah, or we're all just going to be drinking water. No, I got some <laughs> rum back here, and there's some absinthe up there. Yeah. Ooh, there's some bourbon. You've, there's stuff, like these bottles sit over there, and the levels never change. Oh, they do. Trust me. Do they? Yeah. That uh, Lucid bottle, Lucid's absinthe. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's not an old bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, That's that's been drunk and thrown out and... Rebought. Well, the maker's mark there hasn't changed in months. We've only had that since we made the... Uh, yeah? Yes, in November. We only got that in November <laughs> to make the Christmas cake. Well, I Christmas suppose that's a good thing. Cake. Yeah. The alcohol lasts a long time in this house. 
Well, or Jimmy says drink it fast and <laughs> replace it. <laughs> replace it quickly. <laughs> You'll never know. It's a mystery. <laughs> you take pictures so you know where to put the so, new bottle. You know to put exactly the same. <laughs> I'm just going to start moving stuff all over the place. That guy's a bunch of alcoholics in this house. Where they were? I'll go. I'll just leave empty bottles everywhere. Put it in different containers. Uh, well, if you want to find out more about us. Uh, then you already apparently do know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Player FM. You can go to all your favorite podcast downloading sites and find us there as well. And you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, and you can either stream or download all... 357 episodes. Wow, it's getting up there. Right? Wow. <laughs> Jeez. How do we not have a sponsor? Ah, we should have beer sponsors. We don't actually look for one <laughs> because this is, you know. This is this is poker night for us. This is our poker night, yeah. It's a lot cheaper that we're not, well, except for you. You got to pay for gas to get <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and beer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time. <laughs>